Hi, and welcome to our podcast called Asking Better Questions. My name is John Newsham. And I am Shane Chen. We're just two friends encouraging one another to seek God. We want to ask the best questions that we can. That's not a goal, it's a journey. The purpose of the journey is to learn and grow in God and to know Him better. We'd also love you to take that journey with us. And so if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. We can't promise that we'll be able to answer them, but we will try to have a conversation about them. You can send questions to askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com. So today we actually have a guest with us for the first time where we've got a guest coming in to join us on our podcast. And so welcome Pastor Mark Broadbridge. Hey, hey guys, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. So Pastor Mark is the minister at New Life Port Pirie in South Australia and has been there for quite a number of years and uh, also is Shane's pastor. That's right, I get the responsibility and the joy of uh, working with Shane and the challenge that is. (laughs) Yes, I'm quite happy to pass the burden on to you after a number of years doing the job myself. (laughs) Sounds about right. So our first segment today is random scripture. This is where we flip the Bible to a random page and read a few verses that catch our eye on that page. We'll then have a discussion about that verse and let the discussion take on a life of its own. The only thing we choose is how close to the back of the book we get. We'll try to get an even spread, but not statistically perfect randomness. If we end up in one section more often, it's not deliberate. If you want to count how many times that we end up in one book, go for it, but we won't be counting. So today it's Shane's turn to flip the scripture. And when you're ready, Shane. Cool. So I have flipped to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 onwards. It says, God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan centered on Christ's design long ago, according to his good pleasure. And this is his plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. I'll stop it there. Just two verses for now. How does that sound? That's... uh... I think for any any Christian, uh, Ephesians is one of those books that really sort of speaks to us about the wonder that um, what God had put in place, His plan, is um, something that um, is in one way it's a secret, but in another way it's not a secret. It's a secret because for some people it seems to be um, something they don't understand. It's beyond beyond you know just normal understanding, but. Um, Paul says, you know, God's plan is, uh, although it's, it may have been secret up until that time, it's now being revealed. It's now something which is open and everyone can sort of become a part of it and understand it. And uh, that plan, everything is embodied in Christ. Without Christ, that, that plan wouldn't have become a reality. Um, and that's, the plan is right, is right now, it's one of, you know, God making himself visible through Christ. That's awesome. What are your thoughts, Pastor John? Yeah, the, the mystery is definitely there. And you see, even people that walked with Jesus and believed in Jesus didn't understand the, ministry, the mystery. And it's bizarre because we think that the more we understand about God, the more things make sense the more things just clear become clear. And I think there is some truth to that. There is times where simply knowing more about God makes sense. But uh, I heard it recently said that nothing in the Bible is put there just so that we can know more. It's actually put there so that we can do something with it. There's a purpose to it all. And so the, the idea that Jesus came... The, the purpose, he was the fulfillment of the purpose. He was the revelation of the ministry, the, sorry, the mystery. And all things have reached their fulfillment ready for the moment when he was going to come. And even that statement that all things have reached their fulfillment, it doesn't sit right sometimes with us because we think, well, the world was corrupt. It was corrupt then and it's still corrupt now. And there's a whole lot of things that are going on, which we don't think should be happening. So what is it that's significantly changed before and after Jesus? And there are lots of things that have changed, but the things that we look at as our indicators, often some of them are still the same. And so we we say everything's reached its fulfillment and then that's when the the purpose and the mystery was revealed and and, uh, put into effect. 
and everything's been brought together under one head, even Christ. And we look around the world and sometimes we don't see that in its fullness. But in other ways, it's just really clear. And the more we look at Jesus and what he's doing in us and around us, actually we start to see that this is true. Yeah. And I think um, that God has this plan that is for good of us. And, you know, it, it talks about, you know, God takes good pleasure in his plans and everything that he has um, sort of is working together. And I love that the Bible talks about God's secret plan that has been revealed to us. And, and the fact that we get to have pleasure in it and have joy in it and to understand where God is coming from. And this is the sort of the beauty about knowing God. The more I get to know God, the more things he reveals to me. The more secrets that uh, I feel like there's so many things about God I could learn. And it feels like he's revealing all, all these new things to me all the time. And, and I just love that, that I can spend some time with God. I can put some time aside with God and I can continually start to receive um, things from God. And it feels like it's a secret in a way that, wow, I didn't know all this stuff before. God, why haven't you told me this yet? And, yeah. and that's, that's what I enjoy when I you know, read the Bible, read the Word, study the Word, um, that there's so much more to know about God than we think there is. It's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, just um, I, I, when you're talking about that, you know, John and Shane, I even think about, you know, Ikea package. You get, you go to Ikea and you get a package from Ikea and it's, it's complete. <laughs> but, you know, it's complete, but it's, it's all in pieces. You don't actually understand what it's meant to be until you actually open up and you find the instructions and most of them don't make sense either. <laughs> uh, but then you take some time to work through what it really means and what it's meant to look like. And it's the same, I think, with uh, you know, God's plan of what Christ is about. Sometimes we just expect it all to sort of make sense straight away. And it doesn't because you know, God takes us through step by step. And like you say, John, there is a sense where you know, in Christ everything was complete but at the same time, we have, to, we have to unpack that completeness to understand who Jesus is meant to be in our life and our world and, and to put it together in some kind of way that actually helps us to understand where we fit in God's plan. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. So also, thank you to Shane there for flipping to a scripture that we could instantly get excited about as a group. Uh, that <laughs> always helps after some of the recent ones that we've had. Uh, and so that's exciting. So... Uh, Today, Pastor Mark, you've joined us, and uh, the question we're going to look at is, who makes the rules? So the question there, the, the context of that, is when we're deciding what we do, or when we're deciding what other people around us should do, how do we decide on what the rules should be? Yeah, I, I think it's one of the big questions of life, because I think as a, as a pastor over a number of years, when you start talking to people about basic life, they will always sort of come from a point of view about what feels right to them. And um, the challenge then for us, and the challenge as a Christian even, is how do we then try to help people understand there are boundaries and there are rules. There, in fact, there are absolutes that God puts in place that we need to try to understand because if we don't understand those, we're going to always find ourselves living outside of God's rules or outside of that place where God, God can actually bless us. It's like saying, it's like God saying, well, I put these things in place and if you're prepared to live according to these guidelines and these boundaries that God wants us to live within, in which there is blessing, in which there is God's provision, in which there is God's favour upon our lives, but if, we, if we, check, we, we come back to God and keep saying, but why should I do that? Or I feel I'd rather do this. Then we have issues in life where people today and a lot of, even a lot of Christians at time who are doing things that are not God's best for their life. And they are asking, well, why isn't God blessing me? Why isn't this happening for my life? And I think that we need to come back sometimes to understand that you know, even things like the Ten Commandments, which we sort of steer sometimes away from as being, you know, uh, too hard, too constrictive, etc., etc. 
that they're not God's suggestions. They're actually some guidelines to understand God wants us to live within the parameters of blessing in our life and uh, understand, you know, there are things that I believe in God are absolutes. You know, the why we should do what we should do. Um, the why things are important in our homes and our families. You know, the why things are important in the way that we treat each other and the way we do life, etc. You know, how, how we do justice in life, how we, how we understand how we step away from evil, how we understand that God wants us to live with a kind of love and a kind of forgiveness that, you know, those things are things I believe are very necessary in life and um, take us, they actually cause us to step back sometimes and to ask ourselves real questions about, Am I doing this God's way or am I just choosing to do it a way that feels right to me at the moment? That's great. So, Pastor Mark, just to think about this, um, how does our earthly culture affect, you know, how does it change when we sort of think about the kingdom culture? Because there's obviously there's a difference between our earthly culture and the kingdom culture and it definitely clashes. And it, you can go to any part of the world and you can see the difference in that. Um, and culture also sort of, you know, is evident in churches. D different places you go, they do church even differently. And the way they relate to God at, at, at different spiritual levels, it's everything is sort of different. So how um, is that different and how does it affect us? I think, like you say, it's very much um, different in different environments, isn't it? In um, at One of those environments is culture, another environment yeah, is um, is gender. Another environment is uh, um, different uh, levels of society. I mean, there are so many different um, areas of life that people come from, and in each each of those, there's got to be um, um, a set of values or a set of rules. And and the Bible talks about that as being you know kingdom values or kingdom rules, and that's where like Paul, particularly in the New Testament, sort of tries to expound on that. And, you know, no matter where you come from in life, Paul says, it doesn't matter where you come from, it's a matter of realising now you've come into Christ, there's a different set of values and a different set of rules that God expects us to start living by. And it's in living those rules and in living those guidelines that God promises blessing. He promises Provision. He promises the things that are part and parcel of the kingdom experience that Paul, that uh, the Bible talks about. Yeah, that's so great. So if we just dig into that one a little bit, uh, as I'm listening to that, I'm thinking I've grown up in church and so most of my mindset of the way things should be is sort of dictated from my understanding that I already have of God and life from that cultural perspective. And yet, when I have interactions with God, either by reading the scripture or in prayer or whatever it is that's happening around me and I have a moment with God, it still seems to challenge the culture that's inside of me. Even though most people from the outside looking in would say I have what looks like a Christian culture. And so it seems like even once we delve into that and start to do things the way that we think God wants us to do them, that Christianity still challenges our culture. It certainly does, John. In fact, I think a lot of people, um, like you say, they, a lot of people even live in church culture, but not necessarily sometimes would you say it's Christ culture. And I, I think as, as a minister, I'm, I'm challenged all the time about things that I think, you know, well, that's okay. But then I have to stop and ask myself, and I'm prompted sometimes to challenge myself about, is that really what I should be doing? Is that really the way I should be speaking? How, how should I approach that person? You know, maybe, maybe some of the, the boundaries uh, I've put in place are not necessarily right. Uh, in fact, even this past week, uh, you know, I had a situation where I was uh, trying to address some things with some people, and uh, I, I was even my wife said to me, you know, she said, um, "You're just going a little bit too hard line there. You need to you need to soften that your stance a little bit." And I, I got a little bit, you know. I got a little bit upset about that because I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm right and she's wrong. 
But you know, <laughs> sitting back and listening and asking myself the question, how would Jesus deal with this? Yeah. You know, then, then I'm, I'm challenged. I'm challenged, you know, uh, you know what have I allowed to, to dictate the way that I do life? And somewhere along the line, like you say, John, we've all had influences in our life that have shaped who we are right now. Um, and some of those are good and some of those are not so good. And I think that's where Christ challenges us when we come to Jesus, that uh, when we talk about the things in the Bible, that some of those things in the Bible actually really confront us because they don't want to actually necessarily be things we think are necessary for us. And that's the whole issue of, you know, um, the absolutes and relativism that, um, you know, uh, in some way the philosophy of life and, like I said, the humanistic approach and, you know, where you know, we, un we fail to understand the absolutes that God's put in place, that they are not hard and fast in the sense of, you know, you must do this and you must do that. But it's, it's actually like God saying to the children of Israel, here you can live in the promised land and, and you can live by the rules I set or you can do whatever you like and, and you can miss out on everything that God's got planned for you. And in fact, I, I love it in the Old Testament where they, they come to the site of the promised land and they stand on the mountaintops and from one mountaintop, they declare blessing. And one mountaintop, they declare cursing. They say, if you do this, God will bless you. If you do that from the other mountaintop, God will curse you. There's a sense where at times in our life, we find ourselves standing on the wrong mountaintop and realizing I'm not where I'm meant to be. This is not the way I should be trying to deal with this. And understanding that I wow. need to get back to an understanding of what God's what God would want me to do, how God would want me to deal with this. I, I know that in, in ministry life, I've had over the years, so many people come to me and say, I want to do this or I want to do that, you know, and um, say, but I feel it's right for me. Um, God will want me to be happy. And that to me is like, it's such a challenge because somewhere in life, these people have thought that the rule to being doing life well is to be happy. So we will change everything we want to do in life to suit ourselves being happy. But I mean, even that in, in a sense is, is not according to what the Bible talks about. Because the Bible talks about joy versus happiness. You, you, can, yeah. you can be yeah. in a situation in life where you're, you're not happy, but you know what, you've got the joy of the Lord on your life because you're doing what God wants you to. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so... Within that, the the cultural side of that, like the in our culture at the moment, there's lots of cries for social justice, particularly um, the the statement of love gets thrown around a lot. Um, the there's a lot of discussion in the news, which sort of upsets us sometimes because we see people that are committing certain crimes and and the level of punishment they get for that doesn't seem to uh, sometimes it doesn't seem to be strong enough and sometimes it seems to be a bit over the top and so there's uh but there's not really a definition of evil in our society um and so when jesus comes into our culture uh how do you see it speaking to some of those sorts of things i think when it comes to the, the evil that's in our culture we are so sometimes accepting of things that that um are not necessarily black and white so we would say, okay, well, you know what, it's, it's okay to do that because everybody else is doing that. So um, it's okay to fudge a few things on my tax return because you know, everyone else is doing that. It's okay to, for people to um, live outside of marriage because everyone else is doing that. Yeah. And we've sort of watered down what the, we see as being evil. So we've actually become God because we now make the rules of what we see as being the way we should live life. And so um, evil today has a totally different meaning than what um, the Bible talks about as being evil. Um, you know, read, read the whole word of, you know, when you talk about the, the absolutes of evil within the Bible, it's um, wickedness in the Bible is actually anything that is bent out of shape from God's design. Mm. So when you talk about yeah. evil today in our society, 
Anything that is bent out of shape from God's design, I believe is something that robs us of God's blessing. It robs us of God's opportunity, God's promises. And a lot of, I believe even a lot of Christians are in that place where they are missing out of what God can be and God can do in their life because they're choosing to allow some of those parameters to become so wishy-washy. So within that, uh, you made the statement that because we're now deciding what we think is right and wrong, we've become God. Or you said something very similar to that. Um, and I think uh, the question that sort of spins around in my heart while I'm listening to that is, and it, it probably just, I'm probably just asking you to go a little bit further into the same statement, is if my understanding and my thought process is trained by Scripture and trained by my upbringing with God or with church, and I, I have that understanding, it feels like I should be then able to start making rules based on that training and that understanding. And so maybe as a mature Christian, I should get more say in what's right and wrong in my life. But as I say that, it doesn't. It, it, it sort of irks me at the same time. And so I'm just wondering if you can talk into that sort of that balance. Obviously, as we learn about God we should be more agree in agreement with his standards and his character. But the challenge there to then take over and say, well, I'm going to set the rules is still there. Uh, it certainly is, John. And I think that's one of the issues when it comes to um, our Christian living and our kingdom experience. I think that's where Paul addresses that so much in the New Testament where he talks about um, the, the, um, are we spirit living? And is our spirit, are we spirit-led? Led? And he talks about the circumcision of the heart. Because I think that's where, if we, if we understand that circumcision of the heart, then we can sort of start, you know, um, living and doing life. But we have a sensitivity towards, you know, when we, when we step, we err on things that God wants us to, to stop. And we're sensitive to what God is saying. And we're sensitive to respond and re, you know, to get back to a place of doing life right. But I think it's when we fail to have that, that circumcision of heart. Let me use that phrase because that's what Paul talks about. And we're not being spirit-led but flesh-led. That's where the challenges arise. And I think for, for people in life today and, and Let's face it, we're all human. We all woke up this morning, you know, and had to rush to the toilet and, you know, we had to have breakfast because we're human. We have, to, we have to deal with this physical body. But at the same time, Paul talks about the fact that we are to be spirit-led and not flesh-led. So there is an issue with all of us where I think um, there are challenges with us that we are sometimes struggling with our flesh, what our flesh wants, and we are so reluctant sometimes to yield to what the Spirit wants within us, what the Holy Spirit is challenging us about. But like you say, John, I think there's that sense where we, we have to grow up in Christ. We have to grow up and understand. And um, it's like, you know, my grandkids right now, I have to try to teach them some things about the right way to treat someone else and, uh, you know, not to speak the way they do sometimes. And it's like... And they have to learn that, you know, but they have a mentor. Well, I think for us as Christians today, we, we're, we, are, we say we have the mentor, our Holy Spirit is our helper. He's the parakletos. He's the one who comes alongside and helps us and speaks into us. But are we willing to listen sometimes? I would say no. Um, you know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks to me about forgiving someone, I've, I initially go, no, not yet, <laughs> or later, let me do that later. And uh, I, have to, I have to yield to what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to do you know, in me to get me back to that place of living according to God's absolutes rather than my own absolutes. Yeah, awesome. Um, just in that you mentioned about um, forgiveness and like, for me, I, I have seen, you know, people and sometimes myself, we always try to push that forgiveness um, away from us most of the times. When we start to think, man, that person doesn't even deserve my forgiveness. 
or you know we, we get this sense of pride in us when you know the forgiveness topic comes up to forgive someone um, there's always these issues in our hearts that we have to deal with um, and so how easy or hard is it to navigate forgiveness uh, when someone offends us or someone is doing something to us oh it's extremely difficult um, and I think that's where we can't do forgiveness alone. I think, you know, forgiveness we can only do with God helping us. Um, and some people, forgiveness is not, uh, it's a journey that they have to go on. Uh, and it's a, a process of working through things to actually get to that point where they discover, you know what, I have forgiven them. I haven't, I have dealt with that. I've moved on. Um, but, you know, for people when they're not prepared to forgive someone, they're not able to move on. It's like there's an unresolved issue in their life and it sometimes, um, it, it festers within them and it brings up other issues. So, you know, to go back sometimes and to learn how to deal with that, how to forgive is a real challenge. I think in, in some cultures it's, it's harder than other cultures. Within some areas of society it's harder to deal with than in others. So f forgiveness is a real, it's a real sort of issue um, when you talk about life and you talk about how do I forgive? How do I go back? How do I deal with that? How do I, how do I resolve that and, and, and then move on in life you know, from that? And uh, um, the, I, I think you can only do that by letting God help you though. And I know even in life that um, sometimes you need to, involve other people in that and help you to step through some of those things uh, to deal with that and, and move on. So if we just take this away from the individual just a little bit and talk in the context of church. So I've got two questions here. Number one is, uh, as a pastor of a church, how do you navigate the process of deciding within the context of that church uh, what rules are going to be uh, what's going to be acceptable for leaders to do and church members to do or not do. And then also, uh, if you can remember back this far to when you were in someone else's church, uh, to the process of uh, when something happens in your church that you're attending, or whether you're in leadership on that in that church, uh, and then that church seems to put a rule in that you don't understand or you don't agree with, and how you then would respond to that. Oh, it's, that's a huge sort of... Um can of worms because I can, I can think back, you know, when, um, um, you know, in my youth sort of days about they were very, the church was very rigid in um, expectations and, you know, what you wouldn't, you wouldn't do and, um, you know, the way that things were dealt with in churches were very sort of strict and uh, um, I think... Today, there's a lot more grace when it comes to the way that things are dealt with, and so there should be, and a lot more understanding of giving people, um, trying to step people through the process of understanding the reason why they should live the way they should live. But like you say, there are so many, there are big issues in churches, and um, when it comes to um, the way the church has set things in place. And, um, you know, I was just, even he was talking about that, John, I'm reminded of a, you know, one day, some years ago, I, um, I was asked to, to, to drive a, um, a school bus driver um, to another town because I was going that way and I asked for a lift and we got into a conversation as we were driving how that... Um, She'd been, um, so, so this is the way she said it, she'd been um, kicked out of the church because um, she wanted to live her life her way and the church wasn't prepared to go along with it. And so she had this immense hatred towards the church because of the way that they dealt with her. And I can understand the, 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 I can understand the way that the church reacted and I can understand the rules they had but I think sometimes the church has got to step people through an understanding of why they do what they do it's not just enough to say this is what we do that's it if you don't like it get lost I think it's a matter of saying you know what this is what we do 
This is why we do it. It's because we want people to experience God's favour. We want people to experience God's blessing. And we know that if they do it their own way, because that's what it boils down to, if they do it their own way, they're the ones who are going to miss out. Yeah. Yeah, when I, when I was a, a child sort of, or when I was a teenager growing up in the church, I would often be told how that, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, things were so black and white. And uh, that's why, you know, when um, Israel went to various places, they would totally destroy the nations and do this and do that because if they didn't, they would be corrupted. And so there's a whole issue for me when I was growing up in, in the church was, we couldn't let the world, you know, infiltrate the church because we would be corrupted. Um, and I think that's a, that's a ridiculous argument, really, because if, if God is God and God is so wonderful and, and, the, and the kingdom is so powerful, then it, the other it's really the other way around. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna corrupt the world with the gospel. We're gonna change the world with what we have inside of us. Greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. And I think there's an understanding where you know, we've got to, as churches, step back sometimes and try to understand where people are coming from. But at the same time, we've got to take the time to explain to them, this is, this is, these are the guidelines that we are, we are putting in place and we're living by. And we believe that they are God's best for the church and God's best for you as well. And... Sadly, if you don't feel that they are right for you, that's okay. You, you, we can't make people live those kind of guidelines. But you know what? That's, that's their choice. And people today in life have choices. And like we've been talking about, the choices that people make are often come from the background of the, the absolutes or the rules that, that have been put in place by their culture, by their gender, by society, by family, by tradition, etc., etc., that sometimes we've just naturally embraced as being right for us. When sometimes the Bible says they aren't right for us, and I think that's where the church then has to be the way, the, the means by which we help people to understand God's way is better, a better way. So, Pastor Mark, um, we see in the time of Jesus. Now, Jesus came into this world and when he was, you know, doing his ministry, there was a huge clash between the culture and the religion of the day. And, you know, even though he, Jesus was a Jew and he walked the way that God wanted him to, there was a huge clash and people didn't like it. And that led Jesus to be crucified on the cross because he challenged the rules and the things that had in place back in the day. So... How does that affect us? How does that um, change the thinking of people? Why, why did that sort of drive people to a point where they crucified Jesus? Well, I think because as, very much as a, as a nation at that time, Israel was very much um, religiously led. And um, I think sometimes in life we can... We can, as we've talked about before, we can have um, a church culture, and even in Australia, you talk to a lot of people, and they they will automatically tell you they've got this church culture background, and then so that makes them that makes them right, and that can be their justification for the way that they do life or the feeling that they have about themselves. Because I'm this or I'm that, I'm a good person. Because I'm this or I'm that. You know, I, I'm, I'm right with God. And Jesus came along and he clashed with their whole understanding of what it was to be right with God. And so you have this whole clash of society and cultures, kingdom culture versus church culture versus religious culture. You have this whole clash going on. And we still see it happening today in our in our society where, where people are, you know, as we've talked about before, it's in some ways, people want to be their own God. They want to they want to make the choices and the decisions themselves. In fact, when you go back to places like in Judges, you know, seventeen, where it talks about there was no king in Israel in those days, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. 
there's a sense where people do what is right in their own eyes and they think that that's okay because they're good people. Um, so the, the, the culture clash is something that really we have to stop as Christians today and ask ourselves, you know what, because it's okay in society, is it okay with God? Um, because it's okay um, with uh, my, even my culture, is it okay with God? And um, we, have, we have challenges with that. Uh, I mean, I know talking with some different cultural groups, they have different understandings about things and, and they, will, they, will, they will talk to me and say, well, but isn't this right? My, my culture's been doing this for generations and it's right. So, but then you say to them, but this is what the Bible says, so how does that fit into what you're saying? And it's taking them through um, a journey of understanding this is what this is what the Bible says. Let me let me give you an illustration. Um, just recently, we were sort of contacted by um, some of the some of the churches in uh, um, um, in Kenya because they have a practice of uh, multiple marriages. So there, some of their men have you know six seven wives, and they are trying to come to terms with what the Bible talks about how that you should be the husband of one wife and so for us to come in and, and say well the bible says this so therefore you must have one wife yeah is is right yes but then how do you put that into place how do you appropriate that how do you make that something that becomes a practice and so it's not something that's going to happen overnight but it's something that they need to understand that need they need to learn this is the way that god wants you to live this is the way that god you know, wants you to do life. And it's no different in, um, in, in our modern society, even in Australia, where we want to do things our way. And that's where, like you say, in, in, the, in Jesus' time, because he confronted them so much with what was God's design and God's purpose for them, that they fought against that. They had, they had a different understanding of what God wanted. They were. They saw that you know, God wanted them to be a free people. They wanted to be. They wanted to be the you know the best the, the best nation in the world. They had a different design, um, and I think it's like you've got to sometimes go back to the designer and say to the designer, "This is God. How do, how do you design this? How do you put in place you know some of these boundaries of life that you want us to live? How do we facilitate that?" And as, as a church particularly, that's where I think sometimes we've got to take time to step people through that and understand, um, you know, this is, these are the guidelines. I mean, I've had, I've had a number of people in church who've come to our church who are, um, who are living together. And, um, you know, in years past, the church would have had a heart attack and gone, oh, no, there are people living together. But, you know, I think today what we do is we say to people, this is not God's best for your life. And we take them to the Bible and we say, you know, that's, that's fine. You, had, you did this because you felt it was right for you at the, in that stage of your life. But now you've come to Christ. Now you've asked Jesus to become the Lord and Saviour of your life. We want to try to help you to understand that God has some different parameters and different guidelines for your life and God's best. And so we will take, step them through what is God's best and step them through how they can now, now move into that place in their life. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Like you say, with, with, the, with the, the nation of Israel and the, the rabbis and the, and the temple system in, in the Old Testament, when Jesus comes along, you know, for them it's all about sacrifice, it's all about doing this, it's all about an external way of you know, showing God that they're good people and Jesus comes along and tells them that they are rotten to the heart and they need to, it's a heart thing they need to get right in their life. It's, that's where you have that clash sometimes of, of uh, you know, culture and um, we, we, need to, we need to be prepared to, to accept that and live with that and deal with it and help people to step through that. So, Pastor Mark, there's, like, ever since I have become a Christian, there's always this struggle with, is it good or is it God? And that sort of determines some of the rules I might make for my life. And I know that I should always choose God 
over what things might look good and we see that this in our society or the rules that our government will make or the laws they you know people try to make regarding love you know if you if you love um love is for everyone you know love is love so we we had this big movement of things and we see people always um uh, have this struggle of determining what is good and what is god and sometimes people say if it is good then then it must be god and you know and we can get stuck in some of the things in life like you said before that people um in their lives would not even know what they're doing is right or wrong because they haven't actually seen it in the word of god and that has sort of been a big problem when it, even it come to churches like so why doesn't the church do this because the society says it's really good but when it comes to the things of god it might be a little bit different and i i have seen it even um in our culture like um there's some things that are really good and when i actually read it in the bible that the things that seem really good is actually the opposite of what the bible has been saying this whole time and so there's always a struggle in our lives to change ourselves from determining but that was a really good thing in my life now since god came i need to get rid of that and now it seems bad so um obviously like so people struggle with this and and how can people sort of overcome this kinds of things when they actually can't even determine what is good and what is god and we actually see it, um it was pastor john bevier in his book um that reminded me it is actually called good or god um uh, whichever way it was written but he he talks about when um eve was tempted um uh, the the devil tempted her with presented her with something really good but it was not of god yeah that is it's a that's so so true and it's a um it's a real challenge um because you know we what is the basis for what we make decisions on in life and like we've been talking about sometimes they are based the basis of what we make a decision on is based on what we think is good uh, or what we've been told is good and um you know and even today i think the danger in all that shame is that society today is actually um breaking down boundaries more and more so we mm-hmm. are being told today that more things are good you know than what were even in my generation um, yeah so it's it's a challenge for us as christians to come back and to realize you know do we actually understand what god says is good and i think to me one of the big issues in the modern church is we have such a um a wealth of information i mean you can't you can't uh, go on on youtube or or facebook or today without being bombarded with um christian messages or we've got so much resource of uh, christian books and things like that but when you stop and talk to people it's like they a lot of christians have no real basis of understanding of the bible for themselves so they they rely on someone else to tell them what is good they rely on someone else to inform them uh you know what the boundaries should be so we we i think one of the things that the church has got to try to do more is get people back to actually reading the bible find out for yourself find out what god is saying for yourself how do you know what god is saying and i know that's part of one of the, some of the issues you've been you and John have been talking about over the, over these weeks is how do you hear from God how do you know what the bible is saying um but we've got to learn we've got to get back to understanding this is what god says rather than what i feel is good for me uh, and isn't that what um like you know, talking coming back to humanism and relativism where everything is relative relative to what i think is right for me that is not the kind of life that a christian should be living so if if something is if you're doing something because it just feels right for you then you need to ask yourself it may be right for me but is this right according to what god says because inevitably the person who's going to miss out on things is you because 
You are outside of God's covering. You're outside of the place where God wants to bless you. Yes, I believe in God's grace. Yes, I believe that God is you know, there for everybody. But I see so many Christians today struggling and not in a place where they're experiencing the favour of God or the blessing that God wants them to have in their life because they, they're they sort of living a half-hearted Christianity. It's like they've got a, a foot in two camps. They've got one foot in the world and pleasing themselves and one foot in the church where they'll please God when it suits them. I think there's got to be a sense where we actually realise God's got absolutes. His absolutes are things that can't be changed. It's like, uh, you know, uh, Psalm 93 says, God's decrees can't be changed. God's not going to change his mind about, you know, marriage. God's not going to change his mind about the way people should treat other people. You know, God's not going to say, well, that's all right in this situation. It's not all right in that. That's what we do in life. Yeah. We, we, when it comes to justice, we make rules about justice where, you know, it's okay for us to do things, but it's not okay for other people to do things Whereas the Bible says that God is God is very much set, you know, his rules don't change. He changes not, the Bible says. So um, for us as Christians, how do we how do we get back to and how does the church then help people to understand? Um, you know, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are not good. And we there's a but I believe there's a way that is right and it's a way that's proper and a way that God wants to bless us. So as Christians we've got to sort of start to help people steer down that pathway. And I know, you know, Shane, you particularly right now when you're dealing with youth, that's one of the big challenges about how do you help young people and youth understand that sometimes just because everybody else is doing it doesn't necessarily make it right. And as 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 Christian culture, trying to put Christian culture into people, you know, we've got to try to show that the end result is one where God's favour is going to be upon you. Yes, it's going to be a challenge to live that way. Yeah. But doesn't that what the Bible talks about? Putting, you know, taking out that cross and following him? Yeah. Sometimes I believe that cross is um, doing life a different way than what everyone else would do it, but it pleases God. Yeah, great. So... As I'm listening to this, there seems to be two uh, two pulls in the direction that we're talking about. So there's one that uh, that we're doing a whole lot of things in our life, and this particularly I think applies to your scenario that you gave the example in Kenya, where if someone who doesn't know anything about God chooses to have five wives, then comes to church and then gives their heart to Jesus and then sees in the Bible husband of one wife, I don't think the right answer is to immediately divorce four of his wives. And so there's there's obviously God is then coming into someone's situation. He's coming into someone's life where they're currently at and he's meeting them there. And the other pull that seems to be happening in the conversation is that from the foundations up, we need to be building our decisions of what's right and wrong on what God says. And so one of those statements is, we need to start, we need to throw all of our thoughts and all of our ideas out and we need to go to God's word and say, let's build from here up. And the other opposing thought, uh, the other tension, I guess, is that we're at a starting point now and we're not going to be able to change everything today. So we've got to start with something and that's almost like bringing God into our situation rather than throwing our situation out and starting again with God. And so I'd just uh, probably like you, Pastor Mark, to talk about that tension, because I think both of those are fair. Yes, they are, John. They are very, very true. And I think that's where, as, as like you say, we've got to sort of, if we don't deal with this the right way, then we make it about what people do. And it's not what people do that makes them right with God. It's about what Christ has done. So we actually... Um, don't say to people you have to, you must do this like you say that illustration you can't go into that sort of society or that situation and say you have to do this now because that's what that's what God expects of you it's like saying to them we need to step you through this is the process now because of Christ in your life yeah these things will change not because someone wants you to change but because you want them to change within your own life 
So that's why even Paul talks about in the New Testament where Paul says, some of you were thieves, some of you were vagabonds, some of you were ratbags, but you're no longer those things. Now you're in Christ. And because you're in Christ, things have changed. So even when someone comes to Christ and they've come from a different cultural background, all of a sudden you know, the desires of their heart are no longer necessarily to do those things, but they have a pulling in their heart to want to please God. And because they want to please God, they're going to look for what it is that pleases God and they want to do what God wants. And that's where the church, I believe, is so necessary that it talks about and it teaches the things that God would want in people's lives that would bring them to a place of blessing and God's favour. So that's, that's the challenge for the church. It's a challenge that we don't put on people an expectation, a list of do's, you do this, do that, whatever. Because it's not in our doing that I believe that we um, please God. It's an, an understanding that it's when, it's when we step into what Christ has done for us and we have that sensitivity of our heart and our spirit towards God, we start to respond to what it is that you know, pleases God rather than pleases ourselves, And that, that brings it, so the whole thing back to you know, having Christ on the throne of our life rather than ourselves on the throne. And that's the, that's the challenge of life, isn't it, for any one of us, no matter how long we've been in, in, in church or Christian circles. And um, I get up you know, every day and I have to smack myself in the head and go, uh, remind myself I'm meant to be living a Christian. I, I shouldn't be thinking that way. I'm meant to be you know, listening to Jesus and, and um, not sort of being presumptive or you know, assuming this or assuming that, but just you know, yielding to Christ. It's, I think no matter who you are, it's, it's a journey and it's a discovery and it's a learning process of learning to do life kingdom way and God's way rather than doing it our own way anymore. Yeah, wow. So uh, thank you, Pastor Mark, for joining us today. It's been a real honor to uh, hear your insights on this topic. And it may have raised questions with our listeners. And so if you've got questions about how to live or how to meet Jesus or even how to get to know him better, uh, please send those questions into askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com. If you don't want your question discussed on the podcast, make sure you mention that in the email. And we'll uh, otherwise we'll have a go at answering any questions you've got uh, in public. And so uh, that's it for today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Thank you.